0: This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Jason DeLuna, not to be confused with John Carter of Mars or John Jones of Mars, or actually, never mind. Anyway, Jason, how are you? Good to see you. This one goes out DeLuna.
1: The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers
2: Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic
0: fans. In this issue, 30 Days of Night... 20 pages of Mars, 50 beekeepers of aim, and well over a thousand pounds of podcasters. It's a virtual plethora of dearth, a veritable smorgasbord of orgasbord, orgasbord, a wonderful Disneyland for shut-ins. Who was that masked man? Who knows what evil lurks? Who watches the watchman? Who are you? Who who... Who, who, who could it be now? Who could imagine that they would freak out in Kansas? Who's on first? Who's the boss? Who's that girl? I don't know, but calling out her name, I'm dreaming reflections of her face. I'm seeing it's her voice that keeps on haunting me. Third base, el podcast de los secretos principales se hace del queso! Hey,
2: everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast, coming at you with Hello, a lot of extra cheese yay. this week. Hmm.
3: We love the cheese. That's me. Yes. I'm the cheese.
2: Yeah. Yes. Hey, that voice right there that you're hearing—it's a long-time number one spoilerite, Julian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Every time yeah. say that, yeah. I goes I like the goes wild. The from Full Metal Jacket.
2: If you're not familiar <laughs> <was> with the, uh, <laughs> if you're not familiar with the Julian, Julian's been a fan of Major Spoilers for a long time. He's entered a couple of contests. Yep. Actually, we I had a contest for game. him. Like, is it two years ago?
4: Yeah,
2: or thereabouts, yeah. Two years ago, we sent Julian one of our giant major spoilers posters, and we said, Julian, go to the San Diego Comic-Con and get a crap ton of signatures from famous people and send it to us and we'll give you a prize. And Julian did that and came back the hero.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and like... Like any self-respecting kid, of course, I just took the poster after getting it signed and ran, and have severed my ties with major spoilers forever. And, uh, I have it right here. You know, you guys might know.
2: <laughs> Julian is back. Julian does make a habit of going to the San Diego Comic Con each and every year, mainly because he's you're in what L.A. Is that what you're at, or you're in Orange County? No, I'm
3: um, I'm in, uh, around Orange County, maybe 20 oh. minutes away from there.
4: Oh, okay, I still well. haven't
3: learned my lesson. I really need to stop going. <laughs> So, uh,
2: first part of this show before we get into 30 days a night later, we're going to talk San Diego Comic-Con, some of our top stories, some of the reactions to the show. Julian, how was the show floor this year for you?
3: Um, it was, uh, it was crowded just like it is every year. It was loud just like it is everywhere. It's freezing cold in there because they have, um, an air conditioner going that could cool an aircraft carrier. Excellent. But, um, but, uh, one thing of note that I think everybody noticed was, uh, Kind of light on the cosplayers this year. Oh really the costumes.
4: So really? Interesting. Was,
3: yeah. Uh it I would see maybe one or two groups of people for every like one hundred people. Wow. I saw.
2: So well that is yeah, a change okay. because I know uh one of the other sites, I think it was Comic Comic Vine, they had something mm-hmm. like eleven 1, hundred pictures of cosplayers that they mm-hmm. had. But of course, if that's as many cosplayers as there were, that's about uh yeah, hundred to one
4: ratio yeah. right so there.
3: Compared to like the 100,000 people that are there, they – I mean, they were certainly there around, but um, it was just kind of hard to find them. It was uh, – they didn't – like I remember being in the minority the first year that I went to and I was just dressed in in street clothes. But this year, yeah, it was definitely a change. Well, how did you think – I mean, overall attendance was full, but apparently
2: some of the big events um – uh, in Hall H, were not as filled as they thought they w- were going to be. Twilight, for example, uh, last year was packed. There were people lined up days ahead of time trying to get into this panel, and <laughs> it was packed. This year, there were people lined up days ahead of time. And from what I understand, Hall H was only like three quarters full for the Twilight uh, show. Hmm. And it wasn't until you got down to like the Kevin Smith bit that the place got packed. Did you get into Hall yeah. H at all?
3: I was in Hall H for one Event and that was the amazing Spider Man panel. Oh, how was was that? How was that? That was actually, uh, uh, it was, uh, I mean, I, but going into it, I mean, the trailer had obviously leaked at that point and everybody had seen it and what they, uh, I was personally on board with it. I saw like the trailer, I thought if if nothing else, what they were going for to achieve a completely different tone from what Raimi had gotten, Mm -hmm. they definitely achieved that. And then when they showed um, the clips from it, like they we got to see actual footage and everything, I was I was sold. I'm, I'm curious
2: because you guys got to see the first look at the lizard and it's an all CG
3: character. How did how did uh, that look? OK, now that was probably the thing that polarized people's opinions the most. We got like I personally am going to, like I thought it looked pretty good, but and it looked equal parts um, lizard from like a lizard killer croc and king bowser like but uh
5: uh, (laughs) yes
3: (laughs) so um but uh there were some people who weren't really big on that but i'm i think i'm gonna wait to give it my complete seal of approval until i see how it uh, does battle with uh with um andrew garfield's peter parker spider-man
2: now let's talk andrew garfield for just a minute how many people knew right off the bat? I mean, we've got the video on the site, and you can hear when he starts talking. <laughs> Apparently, this is what happens at the beginning of the, of this panel. The guy gets up and starts ready to address, and this yes. guy in a, in a crappy-ass, cheap Spider-Man costume comes running up to the mic, and he's like, hey, I just want to let everyone know this is my first time at Comic-Con. And the guy at the pr- podium is trying to you know blow him off, and he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm a big fan. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I just love San Diego Comic-Con. And then he pulls off his mask, and it's Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was- everybody just goes nuts. Yeah, that was quite the moment. Um, uh, how many people uh, knew it was him the minute he started talking?
3: Uh, personally, I didn't know it was him because, um, uh, like, uh, towards the beginning, I kind of like don't really tune in all that much. I'm, kind, I kind of just like. I'm kind of just waiting for something to happen. I I might, I was like, I'm either reading a comic book that I got or whatever. Right. So like just one idiot at hall age isn't really going to like, isn't really going to make me look up. But when I hear the crowd just jump up and freak out, I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's that, that's that guy. That's him. <laughs> that's a that guy from the social talks? network.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool moment. What, what are some other yeah. panels that you went to go see?
3: Um, I went to, uh, the, uh, just because I'm a complete dork like that, I went to the uh, the WWE panel that happened on Thursday. That was kind of fun. If you're a wrestling fan, <laughs> oh, I, I think
2: Matthew is one of those. Matthew, go ahead
3: and grill away. It, did CM Punk show up? Because I heard yes, he, uh, he did. <laughs>
0: that was that was
3: another really great moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know it's a work shoot, but it's entertaining to watch it. Yeah, and it's you have to love CM Punk's attitude. So yeah, I I'm all about that.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, uh, that was, it wasn't in one of the bigger halls, but it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. but like the crowd was still definitely really energized and that's always good. Um, and one of the other, my, one of my favorite panels that I actually got a chance to go to was, um, attending the web comics weekly podcast. Mm, that and they, that was hosted uh, by, uh, was that, uh, Scott Kurtz? Scott
2: Kurtz? Yeah. Yeah. From PVP. Of PVP thing. Yeah.
3: And, uh, and Chris Straub, mm-hmm. um, from, you may know from chainsaw suit right he's a uh, and that was a lot of fun that's a that's a really great podcast it honestly made me want to go back and go through their entire archive because they are they are very entertaining hosts cool
2: so what did they talk about what were the big uh, highlights there
3: uh well one of the things that pvp usually talks about is the web comics uh business mm-hmm. as they see it um, and one of the key points that scott was talking about was that um he um he often in his in his uh comic has his characters playing uh Dungeons and Dragons like games. Right. You, know, you can he doesn't ever expressly call them that, but you can tell that's what they are. So mm. um he actually wanted to see if uh if uh D and D, whoever the company is that owns it, would like to um pay him to mention D and D occasionally. And so they went into a big heavy discussion about the ethics of that and uh and um if it was right, if it was, if how damaging would it be to Scott's reputation as a cartoonist? Would it damage his thing as a quote unquote artiste? Yeah. If uh, would his audience just trust him anymore? You know, it was actually right. really interesting though.
2: Well, and that's really interesting too because coinciding, and I don't know if it was leading up to the uh, Comic Con or if it was going on during the Comic Con, but in the PvP series, um, they're actually talking about all this stuff in the strip itself. Like, what would happen if we had a company? come to us and and talk about things and Mm -hmm. and at one Mm -hmm. point uh i guess it was the day before his panel uh scott did have like a a really kind of drawn out essay about uh product placement inside of of his of his comic what was Mm -hmm. the end result did wizards of the coast end up buying uh spots in in his comic strip or what because they sure as hell didn't want to buy any spots on critical hit Mm -hmm. i'm Uh. calling you out (laughs) wizards of the coast
4: (laughs)
3: Well, I actually haven't checked back, but at the time uh, he was just—I think he was um, just—he was just in the process because this happened on, uh, gosh, I think this happened on Saturday. I want to say, yeah, Saturday. And so um, at the time he was just like talking about that that he—that he—I think he probably had sent it in by then. So um, and he and he did mention several times that he had in the comic and was building up to it. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm not sure if uh, if if they have followed through with it. I think it would be pretty cool if they did. I yeah, think that'd
2: yeah. Be interesting. Yeah. Now, Rodrigo. Speaking of Wizards of the uh, Coast, hello. They had some other news this <laughs> this past week at the show.
6: They did. They had a, a panel for D anD D and a uh, panel for Magic: The Gathering. And um, mm-hmm. at the Magic: The Gathering panel, they revealed a lot of stuff from the upcoming set called Innistrad, mm-hmm. which looks pretty interesting. It's basically going to be a classic horror. Oh, cool! A bunch of magic cards. So you're so gonna you have get, like the the drunk cheerleader. Movie. No, no, it's it, it's like previous to that. It's like Universal monsters, classic <laughs> horror. Oh, okay. Not not nineteen eighties horror. Oh,
2: okay. All right.
6: Cool. And see, you get mad at me when I called eighties rock classic <laughs> rock. Classic so how come you don't, how come you don't get mad when you call it classic horror? <laughs> so what's uh, I mean? Is this going to change? Is this a game changer? No, no, oh, okay. definitely not. But it's it looks like it's going to be fun. What it's mostly the. The cool thing that it's going to do is it's going to take werewolves, <laughs> vampires, zombies, all these uh, monsters that are in magic but are usually restrained to black, mm-hmm. and they're going to spread them around the other colors. Oh, okay. What? So you're going to have blue zombies, red werewolves, things mm-hmm. like that. Green hearts,
2: purple clovers? Something like that. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Purple horseshoes. Yes. Horses and hoops, balls and bears, elephants and lions.
2: So among in between running around at, at the uh, at the panels... uh, Julian, you were Mm -hmm. all over the show floor, running around, getting your picture taken with uh, celebrities left and right. Who are some of the people that you lined up to see and meet, and and tell us about some of those interactions?
3: Uh, Okay, let me see if I can find my poster, because it'll actually save me some... Okay, here we go. Um, Oh, so did uh... you take
2: the... What happened was we actually sent you two posters a couple years ago. So did you take that other poster with you?
3: Uh, Yeah, I've actually got it with me right here.
2: Excellent, very cool.
3: Like, um, I've got my, uh, like, uh, on here, there are a lot of image guys. Cause the image, one thing that image does really well is making sure that, um, it's artists are out there on the, like on the, uh, in the booth the entire time. Mm-hmm. So they, they do a good job of making them really accessible. Um, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit trickier. Like I feel a little bit bad, like, cause I did go get my picture taken with Jeff Smith and got, and talked with him for a little while, but I feel a little bit bad, like taking up that much time talking to him, because <laughs> I know that there are like about forty other people in line who want to talk to him a lot, as just as oh, much yeah. as I do. Yeah. So there's, you don't want to be that guy who feels like, you know, hey, he's here on my time, I can do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's never cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other people I talked to, uh, Amanda Connor was also there. Excellent. Um Artist of uh, former artist on Power Girl. Hmm. Um, and um obsidian from commission comic was yeah. there as well he was I'm, he's a really nice guy yeah
2: i've, I've talked with him before he's, he's a really great guy
3: yeah yeah i'm i think i'm convinced that he's only mean to scott johnson now that i've met <laughs> him in person so yeah yeah it was really great to meet him cool. uh it, it is a little like uh, i remember it's i don't know if it's just because i've gotten older but like uh i remember the first time i go there and uh went to comic-con which was god i must have been 13 at the time holy crap i'm old <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you guys probably <laughs> <are> <laughs> that, don't you <laughs> okay. uh, but uh <laughs> but it, it's just like when you first go up to meet these people you're like oh my god it's that guy it's that guy that i know oh my god it's him he's yeah. in front of me and you, you do get a little starstruck at first but as the years go on you kind of just um you learn that they're people too and they, mm-hmm. they get a lot easier to talk to when you realize that so mm-hmm. So, so, so what was to, the, yeah.
2: what, what were their reactions when you said, hey, can you sign my major spoilers poster?
3: <laughs> I think uh, Jeff Smith, his reaction was, who are those dorks? <laughs> <laughs> actually, and, uh, he was
2: actually came over to the the site just the other day and left a comment because we were talking about uh, Rassel is ending oh, with huh. issue 15. And he popped in to leave a comment basically saying, oh, yeah, it is ending with 15. It was always planned that way. And, you know, thanks for spreading the word and everything. So.
3: Huh. Yeah, he's a, nice. uh, if you just, Jeff Smith is one of, is a totally nice guy. If you ever get a chance to meet him, just, he should be high on the list, because he's good with everybody. He loves talking to kids, too. He's a mm-hmm. not, he's just a good person.
2: And apparently but, um, there is a, a Bone movie that that's in the works. It's probably going to be a trilogy of, yeah, that was a kind of a, Warner Brothers had uh, announced that, that they're actually going to turn this into a trilogy of films. And Smith was quoted on some interview, I think, over at the L.A. Times, saying that he saw a glimpse of some of the stuff that they've worked on to Mm -hmm. kind of build him or draw him into the project. And he said it's simply fantastic. So uh, that should come out in a couple of years, hopefully.
3: I do hope that it comes to fruition, because Bone's one of those things that I kind of figured, you know, I mean, it would make a pretty good fantasy animated series. Oh, yeah. And it'll be... It'd yeah. be really
0: easy to name the triple X porn parody. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: so a lot of artists, a lot of people uh, queuing up to meet the uh, writers and creators. What are some of the most interesting things that you saw on the show floor, like new products or bizarre products or things you didn't think you would see at, at Comic-Con? Hmm.
4: Well,
3: um, in terms of just like, uh, in terms of just, unexpected nature i Mm -hmm. um i didn't see a whole lot but that's mainly because um when you're on the floor you you're kind of in a bubble you don't really you don't really (laughs) know about the news that's going on unless you're a journalist or you're you're just sort of like okay where am i going to the next signing i got to sit down for an hour and a half i've been taught i've been walking for forever
4: mm-hmm. but
3: so like I, that's why i was kind of relying on you guys a lot through your through your uh, your twitter feed to tell me what was happening because i didn't know about anything oh, i knew cool. about it i didn't know about anything until like like maybe tw- like an hour after it happened so oh, cool but uh there were some th- some things that i saw i'm trying to think uh something very very out there that did, i did
2: did you go by the lego booth i'm curious
3: Uh, No, my friend did,
2: however. Oh, because one of the coolest things, one of the big announcements that I'm just like so excited about is Lego Mm -hmm. announced that it's acquired the character rights to all of the DC characters. We've known that they had the the Batman characters for a a while and they've had Batman toy lines, but they've acquired all the DC characters. So that means Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, the whole pantheon. Not only wow. did they do, not only did they do DC characters but they also let, nabbed the licensing rights for the Marvel characters and the first set of Marvel characters will come out in uh, 2012 to coincide with the Avengers movie and it's Avengers sets <laughs> nice. and I saw a really really oh, wow. tiny thumbnail picture of the Hulk and it's a minifig that's like 3 times the size nice. of all the other <laughs> minifigs <laughs> And I didn't know if you had seen that, but that was that to me is one of the biggest news items, because now people can actually buy sets and build sets and have their own JLA versus uh, Avengers battle. And they don't have to worry about cobbling together and making up their own their own figures.
3: Oh, that is very interesting. It's really cool. I would have thought that I kind of. that is one of those things that you would have thought like Lego would have had a long time ago, like uh, like superheroes well, and Legos just go hand in hand. You know, know there's
2: that but. other toy company, Mega Blocks or Mego mm-hmm. Blocks or whatever they oh, are. Yeah, they actually not the same had thing. yeah, not the same thing, but they actually had Spider Man and the X Men. Maybe the X Men for a while. Oh. Um, so you know that's. I that may have been preventing you know, that deal with Lego going through. But uh, of course, a lot of people are like, well, how's this different from, mini fi- or from the Mini Mates? Mm-hmm. And Mini Mates are actually taller than Minifigs, than the Lego, and the two sets aren't really compatible. Right. So. I'll have you know. I'll have you know, but the Lego is <laughs> Worst first toy tie in ever. <laughs> yeah, so I cannot wait. To see those Lego uh, sets come out. I told my wife about that, and she's like, oh, good Lord, we're going to need a
3: bigger house. <laughs> 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 you need a, a, your own separate room
0: for them yeah. at this point. So well, He as, has his own separate room. It's where he sleeps. Yes.
2: Uh, so <laughs> as you're wandering around the toy floor, you're talking about getting news like an hour after everyone else, thanks to the Major Spoilers Twitter feed. And thanks for following us on that, Julian. Um, mm-hmm. Were you walking around and hearing people talk about like, oh, my gosh, I just saw Jeff Johns over in this panel and he said this or I just went to the Cup of Joe panel and the, everybody's talking about this. Did you hear any of that kind of buzz while you're on the floor?
3: Um, like, uh, a lot of the times it would be like, uh, like on Friday, I would hear about like, uh, stuff that happened on Thursday because when you're in line for a while, you're lining up, people want to chat about stuff. And right. that's where I would hear certain things like, oh, did you hear, um, did you hear uh, Brian K. Vaughn's coming, uh, coming onto image? And you know, like that you do hear stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. What do you think about uh, that? Like, uh, I'm personally more excited for uh, Brian K. Vaughn. I don't care who he, which which house he's at while he's doing new stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a fan of his work no matter where he's at. Um, yeah, we are too. Yeah. So, um, I'm just glad he's getting. I'm just glad he's uh do, get getting more work somewhere. And I'm, <laughs> and I can't wait to see what happens next. So that poor guy can't get work anywhere.
2: Yeah. only oh, wh- uh, all he's got is television and movies. The poor guy. Give him a break. <laughs> let him go back to comic books. <laughs> that poor genius. <laughs> were you Were you able to go to um the Cup of Joe panel on, or I guess it was Marvel's next big thing. I, I forget which panel it was. But they announced uh, the return of the Defenders. Now, I don't know if you're a big Marvel fan, Julian. But Matthew, you're a big big Marvel fan, especially with well, Defenders. I'm a big
0: Defenders fan. Yeah, I tell, tell us
2: what's going on suppose. with the Defenders.
0: There's, like, new Defenders, and they're going to, like, defend <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Defenders have pretty much been off the grid since about two thousand two, I think there have been some pretty disastrous attempts to bring them back, including a Keith Giffen run that I wanted to love but I didn't care for, and the promos that Marvel has been running—the "It's in You" uh, right. Gatorade commercial promos—right, <laughs> right, right, right—have right. Um, led to the fact that we are going to see a new Defenders team, and it seems to be consisting of Doctor Strange, yes. the Submariner,
2: yes, uh... the Red
0: She Hulk. Iron Fist and the Silver Surfer, who've been called together, supposedly, uh, uh, on debts that they owe Bruce Banner, the Hulk. So, I'm interested Mm. to see, because Defenders, the original Defenders, was basically 150-odd issues of of brilliance. And
2: that's the 1970s version?
6: Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, we have to track some of those down. um, Yeah, I love Mandrake the Magician.
6: Everybody talks about... (laughs)
0: No. <laughs> Not bad. That. The Phantom was a defender of the earth, Steven. Uh, you tell Ryan Rod was- to shut his eighties face.
6: Shut your eighties face, young man. That's right.
2: Or I'm gonna have to come over there and whippersnapp you. I,
6: I was just listening to some classic rock, you know. Shout out Dubo <laughs> and
2: I ran. Yeah. I Bloc ran of so far you gotta, you gotta love the classics, you know. Actually, Boingo wait, wait, Boingo. I think something only becomes classic after 25 years. So yeah, 80s music is almost classic rock. Uh.
0: If it makes you feel any better, so's my gut. But that. <laughs> uh, now that you mention it. <laughs> Is neither here nor there. New Defenders. And it's interesting to me to see that it's, uh, the initial artist seems to be Terry Dodson. Yes. Which uh, does, from what I've seen, the problem images have pretty phenomenal. I'm not even so much about Red She-Hulk because she kind of looks like, you know, China with her, yeah. with her face painted. But his Iron Fist, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to his Silver Surfer. Yeah, I can. wait. Especially if these. Iron Fist is in the new uh, gold and white suit that he's been wearing in uh, New Avengers. Yeah. And I'm also interested to see if Marvel maintains this ridiculous motif that you can belong to two teams so long as both books sell. Because half of this team is a part of the new Avengers. Mm-hmm. Namor is an X-Man. You know, it's one of those moments where you're just kind of like, let's just put everybody together. Whoever sells, you guys are the Avengers. And whoever mm-hmm. sells the second most, wait, it's the same guys. Okay, you guys are also the defenders. <laughs> You know, you're going to have a team of champions. It's going to be Wolverine, Gambit, Spider Man, and um, I don't know, the Angel. He was a champion, right? You got to have one guy who was actually a member of the team, and then you just fill it out with guys who sell books. Marketing. I, it's
2: I, I'm way. interested in seeing this. I'm actually interested yeah. in trying to track down a trade or some kind of a collection from the 70s run. Because everybody that I have seen talk about this are like, oh, the 70s Defenders were like the best run of comics ever. And I'm like, OK.
0: Well, there, there are some stinkers in there. Uh, the thing about the Defenders is the Defenders had some really amazing work by uh, writers who later went on to – Everybody go! Hey, these guys are brilliant. Steve Gerber did early Defenders work. Mm-hmm. David Kraft did a pretty awesome run. Mm-hmm. And there's some JM DeMattis stuff near the end of Defenders around issue, I think, 100. That's just unbelievable. It's basically you know how the Marvel Universe doesn't have real Satan because um, you know they don't want to get sued, right? It turns out they had <laughs> Super- six or eight fake Satan's. So <laughs> right. the six or eight <laughs> fake Satan's came together as the Legion of Fake Satan's. And basically took over the world. Do they have and the son of cards? Satan yeah. yeah, the son of Satan is like, um, guys
4: <laughs> We have to
0: stop these guys who are pretending to be my dad and they're you know it's one of those moments where like we're trying to keep Satan's name clear in the public eye. We don't want these guys watering down that Satan brand, if you will. <laughs> so
2: Julian, what was I'll put the that on
0: the retro review list right now? Defenders Excellent. number one hundred. <laughs>
2: uh, Julian, what was the uh, greatest moment at Comic Con for you this year?
0: Oh gosh,
3: just uh, oh, let's... and if you say um, I met we... this
2: girl and she's from Canada and you wouldn't know her because I heard she died today <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the problem, I gave it to
0: of... her and she wanted it really bad. She <laughs> moved it away and then she like died, so you can't call her in check or nothing.
6: <laughs> just as Mockingbird, she was
2: in
0: and actually the... got...
4: yeah.
3: I'm actually gonna call her right now after I get done with you guys, but i uh, no just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, uh I not in uh I'm not sure if I could pick out just one moment. I mean the Spider-Man panel was a lot of fun, the WWE panel was a lot of fun. But Comic Con just sort of blends into one big mush of stuff that happened that I don't that I end up not really being able to pick out one day what like one singular thing that happened.
0: It's mm-hmm. sort it of like season 2 of Community. It's all just so overwhelmingly awesome that you can't really pick one thing. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Did you already buy
2: your so tickets your for next year? So your favorite
0: part of Comic-Con was Jeff nailing Britta, probably. <laughs>
4: yes. <laughs> uh,
3: have you I don't this might be a little bit off topic, but have you guys seen that uh for the fans of community, have you guys seen that picture that's going around right now where they're, I guess, when they went back to work on day one, there's this big banner that greets them. It says, congratulations, zero Emmy nominations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was the saddest picture ever. <laughs> uh,
2: so did you already buy your tickets for next year?
3: Um, No, because, like, uh, this, uh, I- I'm... I'm not bitter about it, I guess. But like if they decide to pull the same crap that they did this year with the whole, hey, they're coming out today. Oh, wait, no, you guys crashed the site. Sorry. Oh, we're coming out. today. Oh, wait, no, you guys crashed the site again. It's like it was. Yeah, as long as they don't do that again, I'm fine with buying them online. I'm fine with sitting at my computer refreshing every five minutes until I get my until I get them in. Right. So,
2: what? Well, because no. my understanding was all the advanced tickets that they had at, for sale at the show sold out like by Saturday afternoon. And normally they don't yep. sell out until end of the day on Sunday. Yep. So it, uh, a lot of people are snagging those tickets for next year. And you're right. Let's hope their servers can keep it up next year because I know a lot of yep. people are going to try to get in.
3: Yep. Uh, actually, uh, I have a question for you guys if you permit me to. Sure.
0: Go ahead. Oh, no. We don't answer questions. <laughs> You know, but, uh, for, if you have any questions, dial information. Thank you. For yeah,
3: calling. right. So I'll get on, I'll get on information after I get done with the girl who I'll get done with. <laughs> <laughs> that's
6: that's who she is. She's the information lady. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: One ringy dingy.
6: But you can't ask her because that's information she's not allowed to give away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. Um. But now this was actually something that I did talk to a few people who I was in line with and um, people that I went with, but. Now, Avengers and Dark Knight Rises coming out next mm-hmm. year. We yeah. can, I think everybody can agree that they're going to probably be the biggest movies next year. Yes. Um,
0: biggest what, comic movies, anyway.
3: Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of them not showing up at Comic Con? Because there were pe- there were a lot of different people. I got there were a lot of different reactions from different people.
2: Well, on the one hand, you know, a lot of studios pulled out of Hall H this year because. For a couple of reasons. Number one, they couldn't get their talent lined up in time to, to show down to show up at the mm-hmm. at the show. Couldn't lo- nail them down for that. And number two, it was it was starting to become very expensive for some of these companies to go, mm-hmm. um, right. just to kind of. Now I don't know what what Comic Con charges for booth space, or you know, certainly they don't charge for um, uh, Hall H presentations. And in fact, the Comic Con people themselves say that they don't even have their schedule nailed down until about two weeks before the show. Mm. But yes. just for comparison, for another another industry at National – association of broadcasters in las vegas it's not uncommon for a company like uh apple to spend a million dollars just for their booth space on Mm -hmm. the show floor Mm -hmm. so you know if you're bringing that kind of money down for a show like certainly avengers and um and dark knight uh, rises certainly could justify that but
6: uh uh cost is is a big issue by the same token Mm -hmm everybody's going to go see Avengers and right. Dark Knight Rises. Right. Yes. So why even spend right. the money?
2: The other thing is Avengers yeah, was still in point. production.
4: Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was one
6: of the things that
2: was, uh, I, I think, uh, what's his name, playing um, Captain America was there for the day and then was out. Yeah. yeah, um, was, yeah. And for Dark Knight Rises. The helicopter came by
6: and picked him up and he was like, aha, go <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, they're shooting all <laughs> over
2: the place right now. And I'm pretty sure that they need to get their shooting schedule done. And out of the way. I mean, yeah. even The Hobbit didn't even show up this year. Peter Jackson's like, "Yes, we're right in the middle of our break, and we don't go back and start shooting uh, Block Two until September." But he's like, "I'm too busy to come come do mm-hmm. any of that stuff." So mm-hmm. I can understand it. Let's get a, let's get the movies done. Let's focus on the movies, then focus on marketing the movies. Yeah. So I would expect. uh Let's see. When does The Dark Knight come out next year?
3: July, I think they. I
4: yeah, I think they both come Thursday. out right
2: before Comic-Con. So, we may not no, get I to see finish. any anything big at at Comic-Con next mm-hmm. year, and I'm okay with yeah. that. Mhm. Me
3: too. I uh, my point was exactly like Rodriguez. I um I don't really think that the studios need to spend so much money to basically preach to the choir. Yeah. I mean, every, every there is not one person at Comic-Con that was not aware of The Dark Knight and they're either going to go see it, which you know the vast majority of them are, or they are not like at Batman. Right, TV. right. It's just, there's nobody yes. who's just going, "Hey, I, I heard this, this this new Batman movie. How's this Nolan kid? Is he any good? Let me go <laughs> yeah, check yeah, that yeah. out."
4: You know. Yeah,
2: but I can understand. I can understand promoting Cowboys and Aliens still. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I can understand promoting the Amazing Spider-Man because that's all new stuff. Right, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, there's no need to have Star Wars Episode Three do anything big at mm-hmm. comic-con because people are going to go see it yep now you know 30 years ago when uh, george lucas was just coming out with a star wars movie yeah he needed to go to a comic-con and promote the hell out of that thing
0: oh yeah but comic-con
6: yeah. was a different thing back
2: then it really too. was it really it was, was. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: and star wars exactly episode called, three is return of the jedi and don't let anyone ever tell you to <laughs> um,
6: i think you by the time count we
0: backwards from four
6: by the time we get a the the competing um, Moon Knight and Booster Gold movies, we'll see Marvel and DC uh, movies back on back at Comic Con.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you have another question, Julian?
3: Uh I think that's that was just about it. I wanted to get like your guys' opinion of somebody who didn't go. Uh, oh, well, here's now another question. He's just question. rubbing oh. it in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My name is Julian. I who, went to Comic
6: Con. And I have an iPad. No wait, that's Steven. We're going to mock Matthew together.
4: <laughs> My, My
6: name's Rodrigo and I really speak Spanish. That's all mock
3: Matthew. <laughs> um well, other than uh well, other than that I was just uh just out of curiosity um would you guys like um do you guys um uh do you guys think for you guys would Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, be the convention like that you that you would have to go to all the time? The way it's it's basically become that in um in a lot of the public side. But what do you guys think about
0: that? Well, I have a, a long term theory. My my uh, immediate supervisor discovered this week. I don't feel like I really have to do anything but stay fat and die, <laughs> preferably in that order. But I think that if I were going to go to a convention. If I were going to submit myself to, you know, the the indignity and the leg pain and all of the fremestatuary that comes along with a convention, I kind of feel like San Diego would be a good way to maybe, you know, to to get that inoculation to where if I know that I'm only going to go to one convention, I might as well go to a big one and, you know, get all of it out of the way and get my pen to the eye and then I can move on with my life. <laughs>
2: You know, I think it's something that if everybody can go to it, I say go to it. Um, The year my wife and I went, it wasn't too insane. It was the year right before everything ramped up into pure craziness. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was like 2000, I want to say like 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Um, So it wasn't too crazy. I think if I was going just as a comic book fan, yes, I would try to go every year just to see the spectacle of it all. Um, but mm-hmm. to be honest, and as you've already said, Julian, I can sit at home and and deliver 160 stories up in four days mm-hmm. and know yep. more about yeah. what's going on than the people on the show floor. I mean, heck, there's yeah. still there are still sites today, two three days after the show that are putting up the the stuff that they coverage. got while they were yeah, that there they, yeah. that they couldn't even get. Yeah. So it's it's almost like well, by now most people already know this stuff. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if, if for comic fans, yes, definitely go to it. I think I would rather, as a major spoilers team, rather to go to a a mid sized con like mm-hmm. uh, Emerald City, yep, Chicago. City, yes. Yeah. One, one of those two. I one think, day yeah. I'll be at Emerald City. For yeah. Much. Rodrigo,
6: I, I think we're seeing a, a we're seeing the pendulum go that way. I think that. Um, oh, wait, Don't catch it. Yeah. No! Don't catch it. <laughs> you, don't touch the pendulum. It ruins everything. Um, don't
0: touch the pendulum. You know what? what?
6: Slowly, Comic Con became this giant, giant, giant thing. Anybody who was anybody wanted to go to Comic Con, and at right, this right. point, people are like, you know, you see so few cosplayers. All things considered, because the cosplayers are like, well, we don't get anything done at Comic Con. Let's go mm-hmm. to actual cosplay cons, yeah, so yeah, or let's go, go to, to, you know, con, I'm yeah. an I'm an anime guy. I like to dress up like a, a little girl with a giant sword. I'm gonna go <laughs> to a con to an anime con mm-hmm. and cosplay there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, that, by the way, Little Girl with a Giant Sword is every Final Fantasy hero ever, uh, even the male ones. <laughs> oh, you
3: gave away my costume for next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm
6: sorry. You can you can be Cloud Strife next year, but... Um, go ahead and
0: be Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Nobody else so is as, So, as we
6: go, this is going to keep happening, and then eventually, people are going to go like, God, I'm so tired to going to 15 cons every month. Mm-hmm. Can't we just go to one? Right. Can't we just go to one giant con, and then everybody's going to flood back to San Diego? Or at that Point flood back to whoever's poised to be the next San Diego. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Now if people are wondering why Julian was running around getting autographs and getting his picture taken with famous people, it's because he is trying to win the uh the major spoilers contest where we are giving away a copy, an absolute edition of DC Comics New Frontier. And if you want to compete with Julian, we've already had one oh, person in her Julian hasn't sent enter. in oh, his don't yet. Don't <laughs> All you got to do is head over to Majorspoilers.com. There's, a, uh, there's an image there on the right column that says Major Spoilers Contest. Got a little spiffy uh, Darwin Cook, uh, Hal Jordan there. Click on it. It gives you all the rules, including a little picture that you can print out. Take to your local comic book store and get a picture with the store owner and you standing out in front. Uh, you could go get a picture with a famous person. Uh, holding up the sign, or you can go get uh, some hot guy or girl holding up the sign and send that in, and we're going to give that away in September. The deadline is August 31st. Head over to Majorspoilers.com to uh, to check that action out. And Julian, thanks so much for coming on the show today and talking about San Diego Comic-Con with us.
4: No
3: problem. I would uh, also like to add that you uh, disregard everything that Stephen just said. <laughs> uh, and, uh, don't <laughs> enter um i'm like i'm like the rock i'm the people's champion when i win we all win so uh you
0: know, let's <laughs> don't make me cut a promo on you sir
6: ah uh, this kid's going into politics oh yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> all right julian thanks again for being on the show good luck in the contest make sure you send your entry in that's contest at majorspoilers.com and julian we will yep. talk with you real soon okay man
3: sure thing am i allowed all right. to uh, get my twitter profile sure go ahead uh, twitter.com slash eonspass if you like hearing my thoughts and don't want to hear my voice I can't blame you 140 characters less e o n s alright
2: alright thank you so much man later on alright stick around everybody when we come back we are going to talk some reviews
1: how to get a major spoiler shout out if you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show all you have to do is the following steps number one Visit Majorspoilers.com 2. Click on the Make a Donation button 3. Donate $10 or more to the cause 4. Sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since
2: 20-06 Once
1: again, thank you so much to Julian
2: for uh, joining us today to talk about San Diego Comic Con. Sounds like he had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Next year we're gonna send Rodrigo, yay! And then come back
0: you know, a week later. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs>
2: also thank you well, for the everyone.
0: More uh, was really awesome, but I didn't want to leave my room.
2: Thanks to everyone who has supported the Why show. Do you talk by, like uh, Juliet
0: Child. By, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Rodrigo>. Shark <laughs> Pepper. <purple. laughs>
2: Thanks to everyone who has become a donor to the Major Spoilers website. Oh, the Major Spoilers store is back! Whoa! Remember everybody's favorite T-shirt F continuity? Yes, It's a big whole meme that we had going. Uh-huh. Now you can get that on a on a shiny black T-shirt Ooh. over at the Major Spoilers store. Uh, went up today.
0: Really something shiny and black.
2: Yes, it can. It's called pleather. <laughs> it's not. It's not actually pleather, you guys. <laughs> pleather. No, this shirt. No, I hardly it's, know it's a hundred percent high def uh, cotton. High def cotton. Like People are more interested. Anytime you say high def, it's high oh, fi okay.
6: okay. cotton. It it
2: sells more units. So nice. everything is high def. Right. Okay. All of all and of the threads you know what? are it's, sixteen it,
6: by nine. Yes,
2: and it's three D too. <laughs> no. You put it on and you actually well, have some axi- dimensions. Yeah, that
6: 16, that explains uh, it because I did try it yeah. on and <laughs> parts of it were definitely sticking out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now check this out this is really cool i put it up today on the site this would be tuesday for those of you listening hello future people etc 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 um we already had That's one accents. sale and i want to give That's a shout out to this person who uh who did this the sale and now i lost his email address
6: oh no vamp oh hey everybody's wanting to okay his name is nate hey
2: nate olson nate olson uh, bought, the, uh, bought the t-shirt today. He sent in this email. He says, "Stephen, Matthew, Rodrigo, D&D, Brian, and Rob, I just want to let you know it took me some time, but I'm finally caught up with all of your awesome shows. I had canceled my $2 recurring donation. No! What? No! But check this out. And I ended up upping it to a $10 a month recurring donation. Yay! I hope it helps keep, keep major spoilers and my favorite critical hit going and going and going. Uh, the back and forth with everyone is great. And I do not know if it's good or bad uh, that I get out of all of Matt. I don't know if it's good or bad that I get all of Matthew's one-liners and jokes. Keep it up, guys. I'll be there. He also bought uh, the F Continuity t-shirt. First person who did that. So uh, thank you, Nate. Thank you for all of your support. The second half of this show is going out to you.
4: Woo!
2: All right. Let us get to some reviews.
5: reviews.
2: This is one of those weeks that we're going to get a lot of people complaining. You
5: guys never talk about DC or Marvel.
2: Next no. week we're talking all about Marvel. We're talking about Independence this week. Let's kick it off with uh, a review of Boom Studios Darkwing oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Darkwing <gasps> Duck number 14.
0: You sure it's not Dark Arm Man? It's Dark Arm Man number 12. Dark Arm I still think dark flagellum paramecium is the best. (laughs) This week, Darkwing Duck, he is the terror that flaps in the night. He is the constituency to which you pledge your vote. Yes, folks, DW is running for mayor of St. Canard. If you haven't been reading the Darkwing Duck... uh, book from Boom Studios, now under the Kaboom imprint, I understand. Uh, It started out intending to be a four-issue limited series. And A, it was really, really good from day one. And B, it was ridiculously popular to the point where we probably right now have a bigger pull list for Darkwing Duck than we did for Rebels. Cool. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, this month, Darkwing Duck, in the previous issue... In the wake of a villainous battle, the mayor of St. Canard stepped down. Darkwing, of course, is trying to become mayor so that he can, you know, use the post in order to help him track down his girlfriend, Morgana Macabre, who I always uh, mixed up with the other girl from Uncle Scrooge. What was her name? Magica Dispel? Yeah, Magica Dispel, yep. And I didn't realize until a previous issue of Darkwing Duck that they were actually separate characters because they fought one another. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, thought it was the same character. Um, and basically, DW's thing right now is trying to get himself elected, but unfortunately, the city is being destroyed by an evil thing, an evil villain, a mighty villain called Cat Tankerous. Nah. And yes, it is what you think. It's an enormous tank-like creature slash body suit piloted by a cute little kitty cat. I really, really enjoy what they do with Darkwing Duck because it's it's very clearly not written only for children. It's a it's something that a kid can read. My daughter, actually, we read a couple together, and she kind of enjoys it, although she doesn't understand why he plays it so straight as a superhero. She likes her superheroics a little more cartoony and freakish. Right. But Darkwing fights Cat Tankeris, who is... You know, considerably more powerful than him, and makes a pretty poor showing of it. And of course, his public opinion polls drop and drop and drop. And about halfway through the issue, as a throwaway gag, Launchpad shows up and drives the Thunder Quacker right into the creature, and it gets cut in two. And then we don't see Launchpad for a while. And eventually, as always happens, it turns out that Goslin saves the day. They throw in a couple of uh, lol Cats references. I can has destruction. Nice. And it ends with a particularly funny uh plot twist for me. If if you've read previous issues, you know that Launchpad has actually been named the CEO of is it Quackworks right? Quackworks, yep. The CEO of Quackworks. Well, now he's also the uh candidate that everyone wants to see for mayor because he heroically flew the uh, Thunder Quacker into the the villain so he's kind of throwing unintentionally throwing a wrench in DW's plans. The art throughout this issue is truly awesome. I like I like what they do with it. Not just the fact that they're drawn on model, because mm-hmm. there are points where you're just kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, there's a little too much stretch and squish in stretch and squish in it. But they do the coloring in a manner that kind of straddles that line between traditional animation coloring. And the more three dimensional psycho coloring that you see in comics today. So it's really well done. It's well conceptualized. And even though this issue kind of boils down to a lot of fighty fighty, it's actually entertaining fighty fighty. And it's fun to say cat tankerous. Yeah. Um, at, as a grown up, I highly recommend this book simply because it's well written, it's fun. It is a traditional superhero story in many ways, but it's also a fun superhero story. It's kind of like, you know, uh, to me, it's like Batman done right. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: (laughs) As terrible as that sounds.
6: It is kind of amazing how much Darkwing Duck gets, the the comic gets away with playing things straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because coming from a a comedy cartoon angle, they can just have straight up superheroics and not have people be like, buh. You know, this is so Silver Age, or they're trying to recapture this from our youths and failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: How dare they? How dare what have they, they done to my childhood?
6: Oh, my childhood. It's been... Very, oh,
0: my childhood. It's been touched in the bad spot. spot. But, yeah, this particular issue is kind of a, a standalone in that you don't have to know anything more than Darkwing wants to be mayor from previous arcs, which is nice, you know, it's, a, it's something where I have yet to have an issue of this book that wouldn't be at least a relatively good jumping on point. That first arc may have been a little more linear in terms of one, two, three, four issues. But the covers make sense and they, they tell you something about what's happening in the book. They're not just a glamour shot of, wolf, I mean, Darkwing standing there somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's... It, they even have a wrestling reference there might possibly be a wrestling ring on one of the alternate covers I'm not mentioning any names but overall I am going to say four and one half slices of the meatloaf nice. for Darkwing Duck it, you know it's something to where every page is well designed and enjoyable and you get to the end and you're like that, that's, a, that's a fun development I want to know where this is going you know, even if it's just a minor plot point in the next three or four issues, I want to see what happens. I want to see, you know, Launchpad Hero of the Masses. So
4: mm-hmm.
2: Cool. All right. Thank you so much for that, Matthew. And let's keep the uh, Boom Studios Disney Afternoon block rolling mm-hmm. with uh, Rodrigo. You picked up, uh, what is it? DuckTales. Uh, DuckTales, number three. Arrives in Woo-hoo. stores this week. So mm-hmm. people can go pick it up. Uh, Darkwing Duck last week. DuckTales this week.
6: So, um, yeah, this book called DuckTales. Um, so previously on DuckTales, I'm I'm just going to do it until he runs out of steam. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is going to be a while. Dude, so it's been I'm just, three years. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, I'm I'm, I'm going to let you guys uh, know ahead of time this is going to be happening a lot. <laughs> um... Scrooge McDuck had been convinced by his nephews and niece that the right thing to do was to return all of the glorious artifacts that he had really pretty much stolen from native peoples. Um, So he got into this contest with um, one of his many rivals, uh, this one being uh, John C. Rucker Duck, um, to see who could return these uh, items the fastest. Basically, Rucker Duck has his own collection and Scrooge... Uh, has his own and they were competing Um, in the previous issue they had been captured by uh, people impersonating a a person impersonating uh, the prince uh, Prince Fula Pep who is the son of uh, King Fula Cola from uh, previous (laughs) DuckTales adventures Um, (laughs) Um, and as it turns out the person uh, who was impersonating him is a Darkwing Duck villain. So once again, we're uh, getting that mix. Of course, Launchpad is in this, in these issues, and in this issue, they actually have this thing where they're like, "How can you be basically running Quackworks in Saint Canard and still find time to be over here?" It's like, what? It's not impossible for somebody to basically have two jobs like this. So they basically have a full page uh, lampshade on uh, on on Launchpad being on both books. Yeah, cool. Um we find out that the the super secret identity of Agent X and as it turns out it's should I spoil it? Spoil it, it's
2: major spoilers. Spoil okay, it. Three, two, one Slagathor. Uh,
6: yes, it's Slagathor. No. The secret identity of Agent X is Gladstone Gander
5: what no that's right
6: coming super lucky layabout Gladstone Gander has been hypnotized by the bad guys who are trying to stop Scrooge from winning this bet all of who presumably have been hired by Rucker Duck Mm -hmm. so he's been hypnotized in order to lend his magnificent luck to this uh, evil organization the organization called evil no it's not it's just a bunch of people hired by a rich guy oh okay um so Congress pretty and he ends up going to yeah. uh that's that is so cynical <laughs> Sorry but his name was
0: Narciso Belo.
6: <laughs> um so he uh he is hypnotized and and actually s- he tags along with Scrooge on this mission. Mm -hmm. He was with the bad guys previously, but the bad guys told him to go with Scrooge. And, of course, he doesn't remember anything he's doing, things because he thinks it's his idea. Right. Um, And they're like, Scrooge is like, no, we can't bring another person on this trip. We already have one mole, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we can't get somebody else in. And Webigail convinces him because, you know, he's supernaturally lucky, and they think that it will actually help them. Um, The... Issue ends with them arriving pretty close to their destination. As Launchpad uh, realizes that there's no place to land the plane, so he's going to have to try an improvised landing, which everybody automatically believes will kill them. So everybody, <laughs> everybody except for Launchpad, jumps out of the uh, and screws screws sticks with Launchpad. Right. Uh, everybody else jumps out of the plane and opens their parachutes, and that's kind of what we're left with as they're going to uh, return this second. Uh, mystical item, and embark on a new adventure.
0: Excellent. So they do solve the mystery.
6: Uh no, not quite yet. Did they rewrite history? Okay, so um, they're working on it. I think. All right. Well, were,
0: were there any race cars or lasers?
6: Uh, actually, the they do kind of rewrite history in that they are really tightening up the whole uh, DuckTales slash Darkwing Woo! Duck um mythos together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um having more Did you just and more guests starts.
0: Ducktails woo mythos?
6: Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> tying more and more people together, which they were always together. Obviously Donald Duck makes a like three panel cameo. Right. Um but I think because these are comics they can get away with that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Just kind of fleshing out this whole uh Duckburg, Saint Kennard and, and, and other stuff. Um they're, they're really doing a good job of it. All in all, this wasn't the super best issue. It's kind of a um, tying together issue. Like, it ties up what was happening before and kind of kicks you off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not super great. But I'm still going to give it uh, three and a half slices because this this uh, series has been stellar so far. And, and really, it doesn't disappoint. Excellent.
2: Three and a half slices. DuckTales number three. That is in stores this week from Boom Studios. For me.
0: Oh, Stephen. Stephen yes, Stephen, Matthew.
2: Yes. Woo! Hey, all right. Uh, moving away from Boom Studios, let's talk Dynamite Entertainment. You know, they have three, count them three, mm-hmm. Warlord of Mars series going on. Wow. They have Warlord Woo-hoo. of
6: Mars. Are there, I was going to say, are there any ducks in any of them? <laughs> no.
2: They have Warlord of Mars, which is essentially the retelling of Princess of Mars. They have uh, Deja Torres of Mars, right? Mm-hmm. And now they which have a Which is brand actually new one.
0: a retelling of Warlord of Mars.
2: Uh, they actually have a brand new one out called Warlord of Mars, Fall of Barsoom, which is what they call Mars. Um, and in this story, it takes place, now, uh, the Dejah Thor is a book, takes place something like 100 years before John Carter arrives mm-hmm. on, on Mars. This one takes place 100,000 years before John Carter first arrived on Mars. And we wow. meet three specific tribes that are... Um, um, that are i guess at the peak of their civilization they are the Orovars. they are the and these are the people that eventually create the uh the atmosphere machine that keeps everybody living on on mm-hmm. mars um then they have the okarans and the firstborn which are these big dark black bald they they're not four arm martians but they they kind of have that same build as what we've seen before mm-hmm. and uh the king of the ovarans basically says that's it this treaty that we have between us is done. You guys go out and do whatever you want. We're going to save ourselves. The end. And uh, we meet the scientist who actually created the atmosphere machine. Mm-hmm. And he's very concerned about what's going on. He's going out to the as he's going out to the atmosphere machine. He comes across these two warring parties that the king of the Ovarans call um, the savages, the green savages, and the red savages, which we know now are. The Tharks and the Red Martians, uh, Mm -hmm. Dejah Thoris' group. And they're having a big battle, and he can't help but uh, trying to intervene by chasing the Green Martians off. And um, he goes back and lands and tries to find any survivors in the Red Martians. And he stumbles across a beautiful Red Martian woman who we don't find out what her name is. But it might just be Dejah Thoris. Wow. Because in in the mythos of John Carter... Uh, you don 't die the only way you die is if you 're killed. killed otherwise you just continue on so this is this is kind of interesting if it is deja Thor's, i 'm going to be a little bit disappointed because it 's like you know how often can you keep this character around she 's got to be you know like a billion years old by the time that we we finish with everything. On the other hand, I like this universe building where we 're finding out history of mars and how this great atmosphere machine came to be why did the planet lose its atmosphere and water and and you know what are the the tribes and everything that came before it because um uh, in the uh, warlord of mars or the princess of mars book uh the tharks the green martians are actually taking up residence in this fallen city which is where the story takes place which opens up now uh, i'm going to ask you guys tell me how would you pronounce this um H-O-R-Z. Horse. Horse. I was going to say horse. It takes place in the city of whores. Right,
0: that's down the road from Helium.
2: Yes, exactly. There's an
0: age-old war between Helium and whores.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, Sometimes you have to go to war with
2: The art is nice in this, but it's a little weird seeing... Some of the settings that this takes place in because it's just it's it 's not john carter it 's not mm-hmm. your john carter series it 's taking a place at at you know the height of the Roman Empire when right. things are about to just go to crap, not you know ten thousand years after the Roman Empire or five thousand years after the Roman Empire, when everything 's just a crumbling hunk of dirt mm-hmm. uh, so that 's what's kind of makes it interesting, but it just doesn 't feel like a doesn't feel like something Edgar Rice Burroughs would have put a stamp on at this point. Right now, that's this is the first issue, and uh, we've got plenty more issues to come. I'm trying to see if this is issue what of what here. Um, cover price is uh, three. Well, come on, stupid device. Uh, this is one of doesn't say interesting. Um. And doesn't have the cover price on here. I think it's $399. Yeah, $399 for this first issue. Ah uh, man, it's interesting, but it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still would check it out if you're a big John Carter fan, if you want to know some of the mythos, all that good stuff. I'm only gonna give it three slices of meatloaf this week. I think the pacing is well is 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 well done. I think the art is, is good. But it's just it just has that feeling of let's try to cash in on this cash cow before Disney mm-hmm. and, and Marvel take it away from us and uh, try to get everything that we can out the door. So, yeah, three slices of meatloaf. It's still a good read. Pick it up. Dynamite Entertainment for this week. All right. After the reviews are done, it is time for...
0: It's time for the millions of ducks in attendance... And the thousands of docs listening at home. Woo-hoo. It's time.
5: Woo.
0: For. Woo-hoo. The major spoilers. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Of, of. the
1: week. Week, 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 week. Woo-hoo.
0: Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Yes, thousands of people have just thrown off their headsets (laughs) and freaked out on the subway, and I blame Schlecker.
2: Yes, that's who you're going to blame, is me. All right, everybody, this week we're taking a look at the evil forces of the Marvel Universe. You know, there's all sorts of different, like, you you have evil villains, right? Mm -hmm. But evil villains need henchmen. Right. And some of these are actually organized henchmen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the Jokers or something like that that you might find in the future Batman stories. We're talking about aim- Hydra, and uh, the hand. hand. And so I want to know this cobra. week, is there Cobra Cobras. in the in Marvel Universe? Regardless. They were
0: vaguely in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, Matthew complains, don't, don't Matthew
2: complains too much that I have yes. too many, mm-hmm. so we narrowed it down to three. Hydra, the Hand, and Aim. Which one is the most badass group? Which one's the most powerful? Which one are you fear the most whenever you see them appear in the pages of your favorite Marvel comic book on newsstands now?
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Rodrigo? Well, for me, it comes down to a few things. First off, you might think that the hand are the most badass because they're ninjas. Right. However, the law of conservation of ninjutsu tells us that the more ninjas there are, the less badass they are. Ah. And since there are a ton of ninjas in the hand, then they can't be that badass. I mean, they get beaten up by white guys all the time.
0: <laughs> also, ton of ninjas in the hand. Do-da. Do-da. Right.
6: Um, you know Hydra, Hydra—a name. You know, it, it it goes back and forward for me. As as the uh, guys who get punched by Captain America, right? Um, you know, right now, obviously Hydra has seen a resurgence because of the movie, right? Um, and in the comics, I believe. Uh, Hydra is a front organization for Shield. Who's a front organization for Hydra? Who's a front organization for Shield? Who's a front organization for Rupert Murdoch? I think.
4: Yes, exactly.
6: Um, yeah, and
0: I think they're all owned by Alcoholics Anonymous.
6: Right. Um, which is owned by Halliburton. Um, a subsidiary of Major Spoilers. Yes, which is which is owned by Xander uh, Tracks or something. Um, but I like. You know, Hydra is, is good as a military organization, but I really like AIM. Because AIM, their whole shtick is that they're scientists. Mm-hmm. They're like a whole bunch of sort of good at their job evil scientists. Yes. Which means that they're terrible foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. Like, AIM is all about creating new super weapons. Right. You know, super cool blasters. Um, horrible... Human melon hybrids that fly around on chairs and things like that. Um, so you end up with guys who are actually not that good in a fight, mm-hmm. and are mostly just smart guys. Now I'm guessing if this was an actual organization, they would probably try to you know hire some actual muscle. Um, that and and you can't beat the the weird beekeeper outfits. <laughs> so I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna vote for aim. Um, because if somebody's going to get punched in the face, it might as well be the funniest guys. Okay.
2: <laughs> I went with the hand for the exact same reason you dismiss the hand. Mm-hmm. They're ninjas. They're a bunch of ninjas. And when you punch them, they blow up into smoke. Nice. Ninjas. The hand. The end. Matthew?
0: Well, you're forgetting the one important problem, which is a pack of ninjas always attacks one at a time. It's one of the laws of the universe. So, for me, the ninjas are right out. Also, they come from a Wolverine comic, and, well, you just can't have that. I think Hydra is getting a lot of love and deserves a lot of love, in that Hydra, of these three groups, Hydra is the one that's gotten the most play. It's the big Stan and Jack organization. Whereas AIM is the other Stan and Jack organization. AIM is kind of like The Black Racer to Hydra's Silver Surfer. AIM is never quite as cool as Hydra, and I kind of think that it's actually meant to be sort of an XP of Hydra to where it's like, we couldn't call them Hydra because Hydra's in S.H.I.E.L.D. this month, so we're going to call them AIM, and next month they'll be Raid, and the month after that they'll be, I don't know, Janitor and a Drum. But, for me, there is no beating. Beekeeper Hats. I mean, why would you wear – what possible reason would you have to wear a bright yellow unitard – by the way, Stephen, you're the unitard – and a beekeeper hat and then a belt that looks like you're the world champion of Chikara? The only possible reason to do that is because you are so smart. You're so far beyond the pale that you've actually come back around the other side into stupid – AIM is so good at what they do that they have actually gotten so good that they're ridiculous. And that is why I, too, had to vote for AIM. Okay. Also, uh, they fight cavities.
1: <laughs> Hydra can't do that. We make holes
2: in teeth. Uh, Diagonal <laughs> says, easy, the insane beekeepers of AIM. Uh, the hand may be ninjas, Hydra may have many heads, but AIM has two things they don't have. Modoc and CARL. Uh, uh, Vistapa says aim because they fight the forces of good with... Ready, everybody?
4: Silence!
1: Science!
2: Uh, aim can be the uh, quite powerful, but from what I can see, they never really managed to use their invention for themselves really well. I say Hydra because one dead head... Because for one dead head, two others will take its place. Uh, right,
0: Russcat, there are two Jerry Garthians in my living room right now.
2: Russ Cat said I went with Hydra for two major reasons.
0: <laughs> that may be the sandwich, though.
2: <laughs> their apparent power and fear itself. Hydra is giving their all against the heroes while Modoc and his AIM cohorts are hiding from the conflict. Their historical re- uh, resonance. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Doo-doo-doo. Alan says AIM, fear of the beer- beekeeper outfits. Uh. Jason B says the hand they're ninjas. I'm not even sure why, why there is a discussion. Uh, And then finally here we've got, there's a bunch of people commenting, but Maximus Riff kind of sums it up. Boy, that Captain move movie sure did wonders for the hydra in this poll, didn't it? How is the poll going so far, Matthew?
0: I'm showing 314 votes with a whopping 62% voting for hydra. Now, in their defense they're drawn by Mike Zack here, whereas the hand are drawn by Lionel Yu. Twenty five percent favoring the hand, only thirteen percent answering correctly, uh, the mighty agents of aim. What does aim but stand in any for?
6: Case, applied AIM, idea
1: mechanics. Advanced.
6: Ah.
0: No, is it applied I, I, or is it advanced I think it's
6: mechanics? advanced, you're right.
0: Yep. And Hydra stands for Hey You Don't Raid America. <laughs> <laughs> and the hand stands for chris claremont loved me loved me i tell you i'm like th- kitty pride only <laughs> never
6: mind i oh. think that you know all joking aside uh well most joking aside because we can't help ourselves no, really we will never all no aside. no no um it's aim and to a lesser degree hydra but but aim specifically is one of those things where like They were clearly just a one-arc throwaway thing back when guys were just, like, cranking out all these ideas. Yeah. And in the hodgepodge of ideas, there were the guys who got stuck with beekeeper (laughs) hats (laughs) or helmets, and... They stuck like Galactus with his crazy helmet, like MODOK being yeah. some kind of flying potato. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, these yeah. these things somehow stick and as everything else evolves and Wolverine goes from little tiny whiskers to big brown outfit to a leather jacket then back to the blue and gold, right. these guys stay the same yeah. because no one ever thinks to really update them yeah, because you they're, you know, that well, design. Can't fix perfection, right? They're,
0: right? They're also designed by Jack Kirby. And and apparently his sandwich. But there are certain aspects of that design. I mean, the beekeepers, if you try to update the beekeepers, people go nuts. Mark uh, Bright tried to redraw the AIM costumes when he drew Iron Man. And editorial bounced it and said, "Nope, put them in the hats. He's like, but the hats look, put them in the hats. But they look like mobile characters on like one of those cold commercials and they're trying to fight it. No, put them in the hats.
6: Yep.
2: You know, for uh, fans of MODOK the Minimates M-Doc. panel, hosted by uh, Art Asylum and Diamond Select Toys, there will be a Modoc Minimate nice. coming out in the next year. So the, be on the mental lookout
0: organism for designed stairs. only for karaoke.
2: Alright, everybody, we're going to take a... I don't even know if we have a... You know what? I don't think we have any comments this week. Oh, so... Nobody uh, 30 Hello, days.
4: Major Spoilers! It
6: is time for me to return. I am Fake Rigo and I would like to talk about the Comic-Con.
0: I didn't go! But I
2: liked it. All right. Thank no, you so much Rigo. for uh, the Rodrigo, Fake Rigo for calling in. Listeners, if you have a uh, comment, question, suggestion, idea, thought that pops into your head and you want to jot it down at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're drunk on the bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Slaker, no. I got a good idea. What happens if they cast tequila as one another woman? I think it'd be good <laughs> because... Then we could, you could just like inflate her like they do for her movies, and then Cytheria can play Cersei because oh, nobody can see, pronounce either. Uh, little- did you see
2: the videos the the clips from the Wonder Woman pilot that we had up on the website before they were taken down? No,
0: I didn't get a chance um, to see
6: them. Pretty yeah,
2: pretty
0: Wonder rough. Woman pretty rough. Not say those words. Yes, they just Wonder Woman should not throw a tea bomb in the middle of a conversation.
2: Wonder That's Woman does me- not show her tits. Or something to that you effect. You said the T word. Yep, I did. Don't say t- it's podcast and listeners. If you want to call in and complain about tits, all you have to do is call 785-727-1939, The major spoilers <laughs> hotline. T- <laughs> 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 all right, let's get into something serious. You know, there was this uh, great thing that IDW was doing at uh, the IDW was doing over at uh, Comic Con. They were like, "Hey, bring us your Twilight books, and we hmm. will give you three free thirty day of night books." And uh, a lot of people making fun of the sparkly vampires at San Diego Mm -hmm. Comic-Con. But today we're going to be talking about 30 Days of Night by Steve Niles with art by Ben Temple Smith. Story takes place in Barrow, Barrow, Alaska during the start of the 30 Days of Night where the sun does not rise. The town is above the Arctic Circle, so when winter hits and the earth is tilted away, the sun never rises. Mm -hmm. Likewise, yeah, for a whole month, likewise... During the uh, summertime, the sun never sets. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen that uh, and Robin all those Williams tell movie, you
0: stick it where the sun don't shine, this is where they mean. And uh, this is a
2: three issue series. It's now collected in a trade paperback. Three issue series that tells what happens when the sun goes down and the vampires realize that they have not the sun to fear and they go on a killing rampage. This mm. is that tale. Mm. Rodrigo, give, Hello. Me some, uh, give me some thoughts. There's really not much to it. It's like no. vampires
6: come and kill, time to fight back. And I end. think I think it's 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 funny because you can see I I can kind of see the 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 idea for this form of, you know, somebody who's into vampires and right. monsters and stuff like that, you know, just reading something, I was like, oh, and, you know, the northernmost point of the United States is Barrow, Alaska, mm-hmm. in which the sun sets for 30 days. And this guy going like, oh, man, vampires would have a field day with that. Oh, man, vampires would have a field day with that. i got to write this book. But the book kind of writes itself in that vampires have a field day with it and not much else happens. Yeah. Uh,
2: in fact, though, the way the story's broken up, reading it in the trade can be kind of jarring because... It goes from the vampires show up in the town, the next chapter, the second issue, it's like two weeks or three weeks into uh, the massacre, and then you jump into the last book, and it is what happens at the end. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of jarring in that sense, where we don't even get to see the carnage. Uh, by the time we get into issue two, the vampires show up. They've cut off all all communication out of Barrow, mm-hmm. um, and the vampires are literally just going around and rounding up the town folk and killing them and, and, you know, killing them every way that they possibly can. And only a few survivors, we don't know how many in the entire town, but a few, including the sheriff and his wife, who's also a sheriff, have holed up in this uh, boiler room in some building that they're hoping <laughs> that the vampires can't find them. And um, they just witness the carnage going on around them, and they don't know what to do. And they're very, they're very weak. I mean, in a sense, they're weak characters because they're too afraid to do anything. Because in this world, the only way to kill a vampire is taking its head off. Mm-hmm. Stakes to the heart don't work. Garlic doesn't work. Uh, sunlight, I guess, would be the other one. Because right. the other one that uh, works. Uh, but they don't yeah, know right it. I, they, they, there's this one scene where, um, what's his name, sheriff? What? What is? What is their last name? Oster? Evan. Eben, I don't know. I can never. Well, read Eben it. is his first name. Yeah, yeah. We will call him Eben. Uh, There's big fat vampires blocking his way,
4: mm-hmm. and he
2: gives the guy a shotgun to the face, and vampire's still standing. Yep. And you know, the it's it's pretty pretty spooky. Um, and that's kind of how the story goes until the head vampire shows up and is pissed off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What have you people Which- done? We've been. We've been trying to hide for thousands of years, making ourselves a myth. Now you've roused suspicion, you idiots! You can almost yeah, hear him idiots. say it in, in the Ryn and voice, you
0: idiots, you idiots.
2: Matthew, you were going to say actually, something about no, the head me, he vampire like showing
0: Dennis up. Dennis Hopper. Oh, okay. Dennis Hopper in blue velvet. Actually, just flipping out.
2: You were going to say something about this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going to say something about the head vampire showing up, Matthew, or or not?
0: Well, I was going to make a Lost Boys joke about how you know they invited him over for dinner and tried to get oh, him to yeah. eat garlic, but they, he lost all his powers. For they lost all their powers because they invited him in the house. But it's okay; we stepped on it. It's it's done. We move on.
2: The uh, the only way that they think that they can defeat the vampires is for Eben to inject himself with some vampire blood and turn into a vampire with all their powers, but also keep his sanity. Mm-hmm. and he goes and fights the head vampire, and there's a big fighty-fighty, pushy-pushy, bang-bang, kills the head vampire, now get out of my town, kind of event, which is, I guess, kind of cool, mm-hmm. if we hadn't seen it a hundred times before. Um, And really, that's how the the story ends. They chase the vampires out of town, and what few survivors remain. That is remain not how the
0: story the, ends. Remains. Well, okay, so the he's a vampire. The story ends with a, with a nice scene. Yeah, does. A very nice scene.
2: Eben and his wife are sitting down. I think it's Eben. Eben are sitting I'm down, sure and he's like, you know, she's like, oh, you could run off and be with them. You could stay alive. We could keep you in hiding. He's like, no, I'd rather be here with you. the sun comes up, and he blows away into dust. Hmm. He's the blue. end. Well, except for the epilogue. Right. Where – No, no, don't listen
0: to the <laughs> Which in the trade paperback <laughs> – Never trust an epilogue.
2: In, in the trade paperback uh, – one of the uh survivors finds a frozen vampire in the snow brings it back and and the vampire thaws out and they have this big long discussion and uh the survivor from uh from the town is like well i was going to cut you up and sell you to the government he's like ha 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 that's pretty funny and he flips out his fbi badge says no one's going to believe you and then just goes and walks off into the mm-hmm. into the uh into the snow so matthew what are your thoughts on this
0: well, I'm gonna be honest with you. there are three do do? things about this book that I really liked. I liked the fact okay. that a the main character's name is Eben, which is also a word for darkness. B I liked the little the little ending where Eben and his wife sit because it's 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 lampshaded at the beginning. There's a little moment where they're like, blah blah blah, we're gonna watch the sunset right. and then at the end they watch the sunrise together. And I liked the head vampire's flip out mm-hmm. in, yeah. uh, in the midst of the sequence where he's just like, oh, you idiots. That is what I liked about 30 Days of Night.
2: Okay. Let's talk about what but, you didn't like about 30 Days of Night.
0: Well, primarily, there are two factors about 30 Days of Night that are really off-putting to me. First is Ben Temple Smith is one of those artists that I have and I freely admit this, I think, I have a kind of a bias, because Ben Templesmith draws my nightmares. The art is all close-ups of faces with ragged buzzsaw teeth, and even the characters who are supposed to be human have, like, these unholy eyes floating in these freakish heads. I mean, it's it's an intentional... I think it's an intentional stylization choice, but... When I look at the art in this book, it's just every single page, every panel, even the humans are just filled with nightmarish body horror for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the, the vampire teeth, the faces. There's a point where at the beginning of uh, issue two, and yes, I read the original issue. At the beginning of – everybody needs a catchphrase. At the beginning of issue two – actually, the cover of issue two has a vampire with a lamprey face. yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. You can rock me to sleep tonight, Ben Temple Smith. <laughs> but the first few pages of issue two are after the carnage, mm-hmm. and you know they've always say that there's nothing worse than what you can imagine. Well, what I can imagine is pretty effed up. Added to this, this just this horrifying imagery. It's it's too much for me. It's like I, I tried to watch Saw six the other day. Yeah, and I couldn't do it. Couldn't couldn't get my mind to wrap around it. Um, I believe in the middle of issue two when the little girl vampire with mm-hmm. the grown-up human head has her teeth and her face. and ah. So that one is, you know, th- that I think is related to me in the way that I relate to the art. But I could not read a single, forgive my French, freaking word of this book. Yeah. The... The lettering is mm-hmm. just, oh my god! The vampires it's, it's have a particular font that the yeah, vampires yeah. It's interesting because
2: yeah, they, they have a very distinct lettering style that's not unlike uh, you know when somebody tries to do Thor upright and puts it in the old the English uh, font. But I gotta agree it with you, Matthew. Kind of reminds
0: me of what Neil Gaiman did with Despair, yeah, in the Endless taken to a ridiculous extreme i can't this, read it was It was
2: incredibly but, hard to read I, I, for me it was a little piecemeal where i was picking up stuff here and there but even some of the uh the regular human lettering at times was a little little scratchy i, I wasn't a big fan of that
0: i, it, you I mean know, the, literally i had to sit and reread panel after panel and be like yeah wait what why does he want the place dis? oh destroyed Right. Not not disfavored at all. At, at one point I'm reading something and they're like, Yes, kill them all and destroy their hymen's and I'm like, What? <laughs> what? Yeah. They, what? You know the cover
2: of uh if if people haven't seen I mean I'm sure a lot of people have seen Ben Timblesmith, didn't he do uh, a run of Doctor Who not too long ago, Matthew?
0: Dunno. Um okay. I don't remember him drawing Doctor Who, it certainly didn't look like this. All I can again. think
2: of whenever I saw this art was like the uh cover to Batman Arkham Asylum by Dave McKean.
0: Yeah, uh, and Dave, Dave McKean's art has that similar attitude to it, but there, I feel like there's a little more, or I guess a little less stylization in a Dave McKean look. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I would say that that's an influence on the art.
2: It's it's very it, it you know it is kind of you know Matthew you say the thing of my nightmares is what this art reminds you of. It is kind of that way. It's kind of this weird. You know, if if you have vivid dreams, sometimes they're in very clear focus, but sometimes everything's kind of this smeary, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's cuz I'm not wearing my glasses in my dreams. Yeah. Uh, but everything kind of has this kind of smeary, distorted view of everything, and that's how this comes yeah. across. And on the one hand, I kind of appreciate what's going on, but on the other hand, it was also kind of a turn-off for me because at times I'm like, what's going on here? What's being said? So the art really I think had a negative impact
6: on the overall story. Um I actually enjoyed the art. I thought that it, like, I wouldn't necessarily want to read, say, Superman drawn by Ben Tupplesmith or anything. uh, uh, Drawn in this style is is what I mean. Because, you know, maybe he would do a fine Superman. Yeah. Um, But for this story, for a story that starts on the last day of sunlight for Mm. a month. Um, I actually felt that this was, like, the correct art choice. Mm, okay. Um, when, when I was, uh, in college, I was way the crap into a game called Vampire the Masquerade. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Have you talked about that on the show before? I
6: have, in fact, talked okay. about it on the show. Um, and, uh, this is weirdly enough watching all these horrifying vampires brings back Mm -hmm. fond memories for me (laughs) and you know the style of the art in those books was similar to this yeah um and i wouldn't be surprised if there was some influence as Mm -hmm. well um i like absolutely yeah i like the way that the vampires are designed both their general shtick as Mm -hmm. well as the character design of each vampire
2: and you kind of have to look on one of the other pages, like one of the bonus or in-between page or something that's in this book. Because I don't think it comes across in the actual panels, but there's a like a, a bit that uh, Smith does where, you know, how your mouth only opens so far. Mm-hmm. With the vampires, their mouths almost open up all the way to their ear. Yeah, they mm-hmm. pretty much uh,
0: unzip all the way around like a Muppet.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of cool. and uh, And when you see that, but I just don't remember seeing that in the actual book, seeing their... Their jaws in that way, so I do like their design. I do like the the the, the really toothy they grins all took that they three have. Three
0: dots of protean,
2: yes. But uh, it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of scratchy. I don't know. Not to my liking. It's and, if, I to, if I had to pick well, a, and, a comic book to read, and it was this or Archie Legion art, I would be going with the Archie Legion art. Hmm.
0: Yeah, but I think that that's kind of a stylistic choice as well. And right. My right. problems with the art. Art don't necessarily have, you know, anything to do with the quality of it so right. much as, you know, the the clarity of it, I think, suffers a little bit. But the, yeah. like I say, the stylization is intentional. It's just something where, boy, I don't know if, it, if it's all me or if it's, you know, something. If I were reading this story drawn in, you know, a, a different sort of traditional style that was still creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. If I were reading this story drawn by, like, say, a, a Lionel U or... I don't know, maybe uh, a Howard Chaykin who can do, you know, creepy, creepy vampire yarg. I don't know if I would have a different response to it because it's, okay, it's interesting and it's got a great hook to it. But it's kind of unfleshed out, and, and excuse the pun there for me. Not simply because of the way the story jumps, because I like the fact that they jump, you know. We don't see the massacre. We get to imagine the massacre.
4: Right,
2: right, right.
0: But there's Evan and his wife and six or eight undifferentiated background players. Right. And then there's the main, the head vampire, and then there's the, you know, the evil pointy-eared vampire, and then there's a bunch of undifferentiated background players, you know. There's creepy
1: little girl vampire.
0: There's her. But there's not a whole lot of, other than these are humans, they are good, these are vampires, they are evil. There's not necessarily a whole lot of, uh, you know, it, it, it ain't basically, it, it's, it's not like heavily Freudian. We're not reading James Joyce here. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would have liked to see a little bit more of what we got from Eben and his wife. That moment where Eben, you know, pretty much the only recognizable Well, almost the only named human character in the book, where he injects himself and amps out, and he's like, "I can smell your blood," and I had to read that four times because I didn't know what he could smell, but I knew it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. You know, that moment has a—it's got some resonance to it. It's got some balls behind it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's—you look at that and you go, "Like, oh my god, he!" You know, this is this is wow. You know, something happened that I didn't expect, but. Then it kind of turns into a, a Camarilla larp, and part of me is like, "Well, I know how this is going to go because we're supposed to know that Eben is horribly overmatched, but then he's going to you know he's going to discover his powers, and because of his you know new youth and his desire to protect his town, he's going to destroy this creature who, in theory, if you know and again i I'll admit it, I played Vampire the Masquerade as well. And I look at this, you know, the leader of the vampires as maybe an elder, someone who should have some power and some, you know, some serious hidden stuff behind him. Mm-hmm. And he gets taken out by a punch in the face. Now, well, yeah. through the face. Through the and face! Again, so, it's, it's one of those moments where it just doesn't come together for me, I guess. It doesn't... Yeah, And
2: I, and I was going to ask, is it because of those big sentence. jumps in between the, the books...
4: Those or is it just because you kind of saw a lot
2: of that? Okay.
4: Okay.
0: I think really what it is is the story. The writer takes a lot for granted in that you, if you come into this, like Rodrigo said, you know it bears a resemblance to the white wolf uh, vampire product. Mm-hmm. So you come into it with your expectations, and we all know or think we know what a vampire is like based on, you know, the lost boys and all the things that we've seen, Buffy, Mm -hmm. the vampire slayer, all of these books. And there are moments where he takes a bit and he goes, ha ha, the garlic didn't work, but it's like, it is
6: not like that at all.
0: Yes. But it, it we don't know what it is like. You know, the jump between issue one and issue two is one of the more successful narrative pieces in the book because it allows you to go, Oh my God. You know what happened, and in your head, you can go wherever you want to go. There, are, you know, there are moments where I guess I don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand. They talk about how you can only you can only kill them by beheading them. The first vampire that they kill, it wasn't clear to me from the art that the reason they were able to kill him was by shooting him right in the head. Yeah. The art is kind of, you know, smeary. It looks like they shoot him and, yeah, maybe they blew his brains out or maybe that's his spleen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you get to that point where when they start talking about how do we kill him, the only way to kill him, oh, no, we can't kill him. I'm like, but you, you killed one ten pages ago.
2: Yeah, but he may not have been completely turned. He may have been one that was in the process. Well, enough.
6: and that's part of the problem is that we don't know. Yeah, we don't know that's, that. That's we one know, thing that don't... I think that's, – that's one hole in the plot that – didn't need to be there, and and weirdly, I think it's one that the movie addresses because they yeah. they don't actually kill him in the movie. Right, right, He actually just gets out and joins the other what, vampires. Uh, I what's think.
2: what's Dracula's little uh, minion Rothschild Renfield? Renfield. Maybe Renfield. that's that. Maybe that was one of them. Maybe it was just somebody who's a, a bug eater. Yeah, yeah a bug eater. Could be. That's why I want to see raw well, meat. speaking of the movie,
0: mm-hmm. speaking no, of the movie, you've a, seen the movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: Did you like the movie better than the book, or how would you rank them?
6: Uh, I would say there weren't. They really weren't. Like, the movie was pretty close to the book. Yeah. Really, the one thing that the movie did was give even more character development to the survivors, mm-hmm. which was probably the right thing to do. Um, but it's pretty much the same story. I mean, because yeah. there's so not one, much to this story. The
2: one thing that's a little bit more interesting, I think, in the movie is we're seeing more of the vampire massacre mm-hmm. type stuff going on. And we see all of the survivors trying to fight instead of just uh, Eben mm-hmm. trying to fight. Um, there's a little change in how Eben decides to inject himself with the, uh, with the vampire blood, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. It does follow that very closely because Steve Niles is one of the people that wrote the screenplay. Right. Um, it's really interesting how that movie came about. In fact, Niles actually, um, developed 30 days a night as a movie.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody wanted it. So he decided to shop it around as a comic book. Nobody wanted it. Finally, IDW picked it up and published it. And then the next time he decided to shop it around for a movie, uh, St- uh, Sam Raimi and his group were like, oh, yeah, we want this. This is mm-hmm. like the best thing we've ever seen. Let's make a movie out of it. And there you go. That's how the movie came about. Now, I'll admit, I saw... I'll admit, when I was younger, I used to bite young women on the neck. Um, uh, I saw the movie before I read the comic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into it with some knowledge of what was going on and was actually kind of surprised at the things that were not in the comic book that were in the movie. Right. So,
6: In th- a weird turnaround and mm-hmm. a weird inversion the movie is more detailed than the yes. comic more yes. stuff is in the movie than in the yes. comic strangely enough yes um except Flesh is of course out. Flesh is it for out. the strong choice of getting rid rid of the whole new orleans arc altogether
2: yeah now that was something that we haven't touched on there mm-hmm. was
6: apparently because there's no reason to
2: <laughs> yeah i mean what's what's the point of this there's this character from new orleans that apparently he and his mother track vi- vampires and are trying to get the message out about vampires, mm-hmm. and he goes to Barrow trying to uncover what's going on, and he gets there, and then he dies mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, and that's yeah. the way the, yeah, and really, I mean, that's the end of his character. And, and I
6: think what it is is that, and I, and I haven't read anything, any of the no, other 30 either. Days of Night stuff, but my guess is that's a, a, a hook for a sequel, mm. because now they can do the yeah. exploration of who those peoples are. Mm -hmm. um they can do the exploration of did the photos that he take actually get sent because you never see them getting sent. you see the sending thing and then the right the helicopter helicopter blows up so it's never clear if it it makes it out yeah um so you know that's that's why that's there and as they're building the uh the universe of 30 days of night which they're clearly doing because i think there's like four volumes of it now or or uh
2: there's a ton of it though
6: yeah two volumes and like uh, uh scattered stories thing the the funny thing about that is of course is that like a lot of franchises um for example uh i saw the the trailer for the new uh avatar legend of korra oh yeah, yeah very, yeah. Cool, yeah, looking very cool looking stuff very yeah. very awesome um but of course now they have to tie it to that and i th- the 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 title at the end of that said "The Last Airbender: Legend of Korra," mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense because the Last Airbender was Ang back in the day. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I'm guessing there's some they're having some issues with calling it Avatar: The Legend of yeah, Korra well, we can't because call it of, Avatar
2: because what's his face? Yeah, co-opted it, the title right, and won't let anybody um, have it, which is dumb.
6: Well, I, and I don't know necessarily that he won't let anybody have it. They just don't want it to. Go to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, yeah, to get basically, a it'll, it'll it.
0: it'll muddle your branding. It'll make people think you're trying to rip off
6: Right, exactly, you exactly. So, go. you know, now you have a title called 30 Days of Night, mm-hmm. which revolves around the 30 Days of Night in Baralaska. But right. when you want to expand the brand, what the hell do you call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can keep calling it 30 Days. Are you going to call it 30 Days of Night Miami? Because that doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> I would read that. <laughs> little hot little vampire tubs chicks.
2: walking down the you know. yeah, yeah, uh, okay. So, bottom line, Rodrigo, for this book, uh, give us a final thoughts and recommendations.
6: You know, for me, it was an enjoyable read, I think, because it doesn't try too hard to do anything, mm-hmm. it doesn't blow your mind. It has its little, I mean, it's basically you're reading an episode of the Twilight Zone, right? And obviously, had this aired, you know, 30 years ago or more when the Twilight Zone came out, years 90 ago, years, 60 ago. years ago. Yeah.
0: 1959.
6: Um, right. So, you know, obviously it would have been a lot more impressive there. We're used to seeing this sort of thing a little bit more now, that sort of bittersweet ending. So it doesn't have quite the punch. But, I mean, it's it's a it's a really straightforward story. And for that, I have to commend it. I actually like the art. So I'm actually going to give this, a, a pick this up. You, you know, if you have a whole shelf of nothing but batman superman and spider-man buy yourself the 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 original volume of 30 days of night and stick it in there just to see who uh, who catches it yeah i'll agree with you rodrigo i think the story is fine i think the book is fine
2: um it's it's nothing too super spectacular i say check this out at the library uh, i think you'll get get something out of it but i think you're going to get more out of going and seeing the movie uh mm-hmm. renting the movie and reading that so my recommendation uh check it out from the library but go and watch the movie Matthew,
0: I've never seen the movie. I don't even recall the trailers, <laughs> which is usually you what you I wouldn't know about.
2: You wouldn't like it, Matthew. Uh-huh. You don't like Rodrigo's flat face monsters. You wouldn't like this movie.
0: Well, like and it. here's what I look at. There is an awful lot of very elegant artifice throughout this. There, you know, there's some stuff in here that's really interesting to look at. And there's a high-concept hook, you know, that that got the whole thing off the ground. Whoa, 30 days a night. I mean, that's good. I like that. That's creative yeah. as all hell. We hadn't seen that before. Everything else I've seen. And the parts of it that I haven't seen are the parts that I kind of didn't ever want to see. I don't necessarily think that you know, when Rodrigo says this is a Twilight Zone, my first instinct is to say, Shut your lying mouth! Because to me, a Twilight Zone episode will take you, well, it'll do two, three things. First of all, it will give you a well-defined character, whether you like them or not. It will put mm-hmm. them in a situation where they're forced to deal with something that is a, an actual peril that makes them you know, deal with reality. And even, I think, the very worst Twilight Zone episode, by the way, it's called A Kind of a Camera in Season 5, I believe. One of the worst things ever put on film ever. You come out of the end with kind of a feeling of, well, that was weird. Coming out of this, if I take away my personal problems with the art, it's it's hard to read. I think that the storytelling is confusing. I would say if you're a fan of horror, it's probably something you might want to look into. If it's something where you know you like the, the hammer horror, or if you like the vampire-y stuff, it's probably good if you like the movie. It's probably good, but for me, it's a skip. It simply because I I can't get past the fact that I have to work so hard to read a single panel or to translate a moment. And there's so much missing from the narrative. There's so much substance missing behind the artifice that I can't help but focus on the holes in the storytelling. I can't help but focus on the negative because even though there are some good parts and there's some artfully done stuff in here. I walk away from it kind of going, I just spent two hours trying to figure out whether that's a C or a K, and it it just kind of annoys me.
2: Hector Busnut says, 30 Days and Nights is one of those books I just happened to stumble on. I uh, was just beginning to get back into comics after a lengthy hiatus, and I picked up a copy of Wizard Magazine for ideas on how to get back in. I distinctly remember seeing the image of the art first, uh, scratchy line work and broody, bleeding colors. I was hooked. That weekend, I uh, trekked down to my LCS and grabbed the trade. Uh, The first time I saw a vampire kill, my mind was blown. I was an instant fan of Ben Templesmith. The story in 30 Days of Night is, to be blunt, fairly slight, linear, and not terribly original. Uh, It is smartly paced with nice, quirky twists uh, in the tail, but I doubt this book would have had half as much traction if it hadn't been for uh, Aussie Boy Made Good, Ben Templesmith's amazing artwork. That's from Hector Bustnuts. Uh, right there. So there you go. You know what I like about this conversation is each of us have a different take on this. Mm-hmm. Book. It's not an all, all mm-hmm. of us just going, yeah, go get atomic robo. And it's not boo. We hate blood, sweat and tears. Um, you know, it is this mix of, of recommendations and each of you can go in yep. and uh, take what we've said into consideration and decide for yourself if you want to pick it up.
0: That's right. And they and totally that- ripped off count Orlock. <laughs> <laughs> Count Orlock needs to show up and file for some stuff sort of, never mind.
6: Well, and and the the thing the the weird thing is that I wonder if I'm reading too much into this, but the whole New Orleans thing does mm-hmm. one thing which is that you know that the, they're referring to the head vampire as V. Right. Um and I think people refer to him as Vinny and I don't know if Vinny's another vampire, but do you think that the whole V thing is a reference to Dracula? maybe as as Vlad Vlad.
2: maybe yeah yeah could be because he keeps talking about
6: he keeps talking about how you know he's worked so hard and all of Mm -hmm. his brethren has been killed but he's still around kind of stuff so
0: yeah
6: yeah makes sense had they
0: thrown that in there and had that been something that you know was actually in the narrative that might have improved my feeling of it
4: yeah
2: All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this week's issue. Thank you for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Strangers in Paradise, Volume 1. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon.
0: I cast my Auspex!
1: If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
5: what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East. Santo and Soldier, what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, wow whoa whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This has been a Major Spoilers podcast, copyright 2011. Goodbye, see you on the next
1: show.